growth. It's an essential part of life, isn't it? Essential part of life. From the time a little baby is born, one of the first things that happens is the weight is taken and recorded. The length of the body is also noted down. The head circumference is there. And I can still remember the, the days when after uh, witnessing the birth of each of our kids, I was invited down to give them their first bath and then the weighing was there and all recorded down, all measured. And it doesn't stop there because soon after that, Lynn was off to the clinic each week or each fortnight and then each, mo each month as time went on and the, and the same measurement was undertaken to make sure that there was a healthy growth in each little life. And growth in another realm. We've seen the blossoming of another uh, type of profession altogether. Uh, those who are in the life coaching business, where their whole um, desire is to work with someone, to identify what the definition of success is, and then to help them push on to achieve the goals, to reach that success, to grow, to achieve that. We've got business coaches. The whole reason that business coaches are there is to help grow a business, to look at how to build the, the bottom line. And even as we've measured growth in terms of business, that has changed. There used to be a time 10 years ago or so when growth was purely about profit. But now businesses talk about a triple bottom line or a quadruple bottom line. So we talk now about profit and people and planet and purpose. Is this company making a contribution financially? Is it building into the lives of its people? Is what it is doing sustainable to the planet and does it have an ethical purpose? All a part of measuring the growth of a business. For those of us that are in a, a profession or a trade, I'm sure we've got to be involved in continuing professional education. That's all part of the journey, keeping that training and that growth up. Growth is normal and growth is needed and uh, growth is also necessary in our own spiritual journey. That's why Paul wrote to the Romans. He said, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Another version says this, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So there it is. God's plan for us is to grow to be more like Jesus. To grow to be more like Jesus. Paul writes and says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Here's this whole sense of a process of us growing to be like Jesus. And Paul writing again to the Corinthians says this, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. What an amazing verse. I mean, I want to say, wow, can you believe it? This is God's plan for us to be transformed into all the glory that Jesus had. As God does his work in our lives. That's God's call for us to journey with him and to grow into Jesus. That's why one of our five purposes here is to be an equipping church 
an equipping church, a church that equips us, encourages each of us to grow more like Jesus. And we understand that that's a process. It's not something that happens overnight at conversion. Conversion happens, we repent. And for those that have have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've made a decision to follow Jesus. But then there's a process of growing to Jesus. The theological word for it is sanctification, being set apart, growing more like Jesus. And yet the Bible tells us that we can't do that on our own. We need each other. So we can't sit back in our, in our rooms and read our Bibles, as wonderful as that is, engage just in prayer. We need to be with each other, rubbing shoulders with each other, encouraging each other, sharpening each other as iron sharpens iron. Encourage each other and build each other up, writes Paul. So practically for us this morning, how can we help each other grow? How can we do that? Well, the first thing is by affirming each other's worth. And how we need to affirm each other's worth in this world, a world that constantly seeks to pull us down and almost to reduce our value been amazed that over the last uh, months and even years the number of people I've spoken to in a way that has described their own work environment as toxic now they've used that word it's a toxic environment I go to work and at a, and it's almost like people are seeking to bring me down to undermine me and I'm always wanting to to have to watch myself and it's just something that happens in us as humans, isn't it? That there's a temptation to diminish the value of other people because somehow, in a way, it makes us feel a little bit better than ourselves. And yet we are called to be a community of affirmation, a place where people are loved and cared for, a place where we're all valued. So how can we do that? How can we affirm each other? Well, we affirm each other by acceptance. Paul writes, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. So we can choose to be people who want to accept each other, irrespective of the fact that we're all different. We want to accept each other and acknowledge the separate gifts that we have, the unique gifts that we have. So how do we know when we've really accepted someone? I think one of the good tests is, have I stopped trying to make them just like me? Have I stopped trying to conform them to my image? Now, there was a time in the um, early months of my, um, my marriage to my lovely wife that I realised my job wasn't to refine her and to grow her into things I wanted her to be. I'd, I'd chosen my wife and I've asked her to marry me because I loved who she was. And then there was this part in the early, in the early months of my life when I thought, you know what, I just want to refine this a little bit. I don't know that there's anyone else here that's married that can identify with that, um, but I'm just putting that out there. So I realised that I accepted someone when I realised that Lynn was unique and I loved her because she was who she was. And so is the call for us to accept one another and to recognise their uniqueness. But then we can affirm people by showing them attention you see, acceptance is not enough. We can accept someone and still ignore them. Now, uh, Craig's not here today, so I can use him, Craig. It serves you right for staying at home. But, you know, I could say, uh, Craig, I accept you, but stay out of my life. I don't want anything to do with you. 
Now, that's hardly an affirming statement. I'm only joking, Craig. We'll see each other um, tomorrow. Um, hardly an affirming statement. But you see, I might not say that, but if that's how I act, and sometimes we do, it's almost like, oh, yeah, I can accept that person, but I'm just not going to really have much to do with them. I'm going to ignore them. What we need to do is to give special attention to those. We affirm people by showing them attention. Paul writes, give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Why special attention? Because whatever we give special attention to will grow. Whatever we give special attention to will grow. I'll give you an example. Um, my, my citrus trees are absolutely shot to pieces. Uh, John, they're awful. Um, they're usually good, but fruit flies have invaded them. I've got unripe fruit that is uh, falling off the trees. Just on Thursday in preparation for the, for the bin collection, I walked out with another garbage bag, which literally was about that high, full of fruit that I had to pick up from the, from the tree. And next week it'll be the same. I'm getting to the stage now where I'm just going to prune the whole lot, get rid of everything that's there and start again. It doesn't surprise me really. Because this year, I didn't pay any attention to those trees. I didn't fertilise them at the start of each season. I didn't go out and spray with eco oil and all that type of stuff. I didn't do that. Yep, I got the, the lures for the fruit flies. But when I should have been replacing them, I didn't bother about it. And the result is a mess. It should be expected. The same is true in our relationships. If we're wanting to see fruit in our relationships, we need to pay attention to the people in our lives. So who do you and I have to pay attention to this week? Could even be our spouse. Could be someone that close to us, our spouse, uh, one of our kids. Uh, could be other members of our family. We need to do that. And it takes time. We affirm people by showing appreciation. We affirm each other's worth with appreciation. Appreciation means to raise in value. If you want a good example, what appreciation is, just uh, listen to all the hype about the Sydney uh, house prices and not just the house prices here, but through Australia. Rising in value. And when I appreciate someone, I raise their value in terms of my eyes and I raise their value in terms of others as we show appreciation. Thessalonians 5.12 Brothers and sisters, appreciate those who work hard among you and lead you in the Lord and teach you. When was the last time that you thanked someone for the work they'd done uh, in your life? Whether that's in the life of the church here or wherever. I think we as a church do a fairly good job of, of affirming those who have got a, a public face. We did that again in our, in our meeting last, uh, last week. Affirming, affirming those who, who hold a position and are up here like I am here or our, our worship and our music team who are here each week and we affirm them, I think, fairly well. If we don't, I apologise for those members of our teams that haven't felt affirmed. But I think we do that pretty well. But it's important that we show appreciation to those who are working behind the scenes so often. 
And some that come to mind for me now is a fellow like Phil Mitterbane. Now, Phil walks in here all different hours of the week. He keeps our hedges and our gardens looking absolutely fantastic. He does so much work, then gets on the mower and he's joined by, you know, by Bruce Linton and uh, Phil Kelshaw um, and Morris Cattell and Tony Collins and Richard Harris and others that are engaged in that process. All working behind the scenes. All just coming in and playing a part that you and I, when we walk onto our property, can have something that looks absolutely magnificent. Then we've got, for example, Alison that leads our playtime. Um, you wouldn't know she was here unless you were involved in playtime. And we've got Mary and Brenda that are there um, helping her as they seek to liaise with others that come along. We've got those that lead our Chicago and our men's shed and, uh, and do our kids' ministry. All engaged in that. Brendan. Brendan was here um, on Friday trying to fix up one of these, these uh, screens um, with, a, with an HDMI cable that had gone haywire here for many hours on Friday. He's here now, here together working on that. The fellows with our sound team, he's Colin over here. They spend a lot of time doing that, all in the background, all voluntary, all behind the scenes, and all a blessing to us. Friends, let's... Um, continue to look for those people that are serving us and let them know how much we thank them and we do for each one I've, mem I've mentioned and for those others that haven't been mentioned if you're involved you are much appreciated another way we can help each other grow is by praying for each other um, Paul wrote about a fellow called Epaphras and Epaphras is mentioned in Colossians 4.12 and Epaphras writes Paul he always prays for you that you will become spiritually mature. Now, it's interesting that Epaphras just didn't pray for the needs of people. He didn't just pick up the needs that respective people and hadn't prayed for those as, as wonderful and as necessary as that is. He prayed for their spiritual development. He prayed that they might see more of who God was and a journey that God would transform their lives. And the Bible's filled with model prayers about growth for us to follow. And here are a few of them now. And, and as we go through just a couple of them, um, who is it that you can pray this over this week? Which of your friends or family needs to know, to feel and understand how long and wide and deep and high Christ's love really is and that he experience his love for themselves who is it that doesn't have a sense of of God's love for them or the depth of God's love for them that you can be praying over do that even now as we're going through a couple of these or I pray God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust in him so who needs a special measure of hope and peace and joy that you know who can you pray that over um, at this time who needs to be directed into God's love and to experience a spirit of perseverance may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance and there are some others that will come up on the screen just some other verses there that you can grab hold of friends maybe today you're the one needing those types of prayer over you. There'll be an opportunity when we finish to even turn to the person that might be next to you and say, I I've appreciate that prayer over me today. Or to go down the back to our prayer team and to be prayed for. 
One of the great aspects of our small groups is that we can do that in our small groups. Um, one of the things I've found in small groups is that we can leave our prayer time till the end and sometime that can be pretty rushed because we've got to start getting away. So why don't we mix up our prayer time from time to time and have that perhaps at the start of the study or in the middle of the study. I know some of our small groups actually take a break, um, you know, at least each term without the Bible study as such, but just praying for each other and praying over the lives of others. And then we can grow by admitting our mistakes. We can grow together by admitting our mistakes. As we honestly admit our sin and we admit our failure, God brings healing to us by his spirit. Because by doing that, we're acknowledging our failure. We're becoming transparent and we're sharing our brokenness and we recognize that we have so much in common together as, as followers of Jesus. There's no need to tell everybody, obviously. No need to shout it from the rooftops just to find a trusted friend or some friends that you can talk with, friends that you know will pray for you and pray with you and who share some of your pain that you're going through. James says that that brings healing. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Just as forgiveness comes from God, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin if we confess our sin. So healing seems to take place not just through our confession of our sin to God, but in confessing our sin to our brothers and sisters and being able to journey through that process. And it's this humility that brings about that healing because God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. When I, ex when I express my weakness and my failure, when I humble myself before God, God will do his healing in my life. And what is true for us individually is also true for us as a community together. That's why when people, um, when there is trouble and tension in a church, I think it's always a great tragedy when people move away, when people move away, because it's those times in fellowship together that when we work through them, when we express our failings together, we can see God bring around reconciliation and real growth. And we can see that in the life of our church over this last 12 or 15 months. We can see what God is doing as we've been honest with our feelings and shared our, our sin and our failure in different ways. I know my most significant time in my personal life have come through the hard situations of life. The loss of very dear family members or close friends, some of whom have taken their life. Or in the long-term battle um, in our family with illness or with the hard struggles through church life. This is where my faith has been refined. And I'm convinced that it's in those times that as we commit to stay and to encourage one another together, that God brings around his healing. And we can see that happening. And then finally, we can grow by encouraging each other's commitment and giftedness. Paul writing to Timothy said, keep yourself in training or keep yourselves in training for a godly life. How do you want I stay in training for a godly life? We do it by keeping engaged with our, our small group. 
or by getting a spiritual mentor to walk alongside us, or by undertaking courses. Yesterday, we had an absolutely fantastic time here with that chaplaincy course. Um, there are 18 in the room, um, all except three were from our church. And if another one comes up, please register your interest to be a part of it. We've got a long day, 9 o'clock till 5.30. We've got another one next Saturday. But it was a privilege to be here and to see the way that we can grow in our understanding of who Jesus is and we can stand alongside people who want to experience, um, experience the Lord themselves or are looking for a place of connection. We can grow as we encourage each other to use our gifts. I was really um, blown away by uh, my reading in the Old Testament in Exodus just a couple of weeks ago. And I, I read the story, or the account, of uh, two men, Bezalel and Aholiab, and I really hadn't paid much attention to these blokes before. Not mentioned anywhere except between Exodus chapter 31 and, uh, and up to um, chapter 36 or 37. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and to set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I've appointed a Holiab, son of a Hissamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. I've given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I've commanded you. Here they were, two ordinary fellows. Now, this is Old Testament times, right? Two ordinary fellows who were filled with the Spirit of God to do the work in the building of the tabernacle. And particularly in the case of Bezalel, to be working with all the ornamentation around the Ark of the Covenant. Two ordinary fellows anointed by God. Then you go to the very end of Exodus and we read that the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Can you imagine how Bezalel and Aholiab felt? when everyone was gathering, when the, the presence of God was hovering over this, this tabernacle, when the people all gathered around, how encouraged were they that they stepped out in using the gifts, the anointing that God had given them to do this work? But not only that, how many more would have been encouraged? Because all the skilled workers came to Bezalel and Aholiab and they brought all their silver and all their gold because it was all that stuff that was melted down to be used in the Ark of the Covenant. Can you imagine the way that the commitment of Bezalel and Aholiab influenced all these others that were engaged in that by using their gifts together? Friends, the point of that is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the anointing of God on your life. God has anointed you and gifted you for a purpose, that you might grow in your own faith, that you might encourage others on the journey of faith. Because we too are being changed, transformed into that same image from glory into glory just as from the Lord 
the Spirit. Be encouraged, friends, as we take hold of the fact that we are a church that will encourage and equip each of us to grow, to grow more like Jesus. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it's an amazing thing to think that you call us into a relationship with you. But you don't just call us into a relationship with you. You've, you fill us with your spirit. And you empower us to live a life whereby you, by your spirit, keep wanting to grow us into Jesus, conform us into the image of Jesus. And Father, we want to open ourselves for you to keep doing that in our lives. For some of us, we feel tired. We feel drained. How we need to be refilled by you again, even this day. And Father, we ask that you would do that. That you would, that you would fill us anew with your spirit and that would you, you would use us as we encourage one another to keep persevering in our walk together. How we lift your name high. And we give you praise. Just while I'm praying, I'm aware that there might be those here today that still don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity just to come and to understand more about that, to come and to pray that perhaps for the first time you might be, you might meet Jesus, that you would take hold of him as, as your Lord and Saviour. So I'll give you the opportunity to do that later as we go and, uh, and, we, and we finish our songs. I'll be up in that back corner. But Heavenly Father, thank you again for your power and for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.